0: On Wednesdays, we're, uh, we're working through what we've called core Christianity. What do we believe and why? I want us to talk about one of the doctrines that can be the most uh, confusing to verbalize. It's one of those things that we get, but it's hard to put into to words, and that's the, the doctrine of the, the Holy Trinity. How do we describe that? How do we define that? And... <clears throat> I, uh, I remember being in one of the theology classes at seminary, and the professor, the professor says, Anderson, tell me about the, explain to me the Trinity. And as soon as he would start speaking, the professor would say, heresy, somebody else, Smith, tell me about the Trinity, Heresy. And then he'd go to the next person. And after a few minutes, you know, we got a little frustrated, but we finally caught his point. And the point is that regardless of how you try to define it and verbalize it, there's going to be some limitation. it's, It's such a mystery that it's very difficult for us to put it in human terms without crossing a line into one of the heresies that are so common, and we'll talk about some of those heresies here in just a minute, but I do want us to uh, try to have some fun with this tonight. I want us to try to have as much of a dialogue as possible, so if I get in my teacher mode and talk for 20 minutes, somebody say, hey, shut up and let us talk, okay? Heresy. Yeah, heresy. (laughs) Heresy. Heresy. Uh, One of the ways that that we know that the Trinity can be a challenge, I don't know if I got it started right, Todd. One of the ways that we know that the Trinity can be a challenge for us uh, linguistic verbally is uh, if we listen real carefully to the way we pray sometimes. You know, when when folks pray at church or when we pray in a small group or whatever, um, you know, Uh, God, thank you for dying for me. Uh, Jesus, thank you for being in my heart. Both of those are technically incorrect. God the Father didn't die for us. Uh, God the Son is not really the one who's in our heart. We talk to kids like that, don't we? Ask Jesus into your heart. Technically, Jesus is not the one who comes into your heart. It's the Holy Spirit who indwells believers. So even the way we talk on just regular prayers and regular conversations, we get confused sometimes. And so it, it can be a great challenge. Um, it can be a lot of fun. For me, the, the easy, easy is a bad word. For me, the, uh, the words that uh, kind of sum it up in a way that I can grasp is that the God has one essence in three persons. There is one essence in three persons. Where we run into a problem is when we say, That the three are three separate entities. They're they're different in their essence. That's a problem. It's also a problem if we say there's only one entity, one essence who shows up or reveals or pretends to be in three different modes. That's, That's heresy. Because God the Son is not God the Holy Spirit. They are different. God the Father is not God the Son. They are different. And yet, they are one. There is one essence in three persons. How would you define essence? Being. Yeah. And that's... I'm glad you asked that because it, 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 is, it is hard to verbalize again. When I use the word essence, that's actually, I'm, I'm using that phrase, that verb, or that word that uh, has been used for actually hundreds of years now by the church in this definition. But the way I understand the word essence, it would be an entity or a being. There is, God is only one being. That one being has three persons. You and I can't really relate to that because we are one essence and one person. And that's the only way we understand life, really. Each essence is its own person. God is above and beyond any kind of human limitations. Therefore, God is one, and yet he is three persons, He's not limited to the reality that we're limited to. And if it's a solid, it's considered ice. Yeah. But it's still the same thing. Same essence. Yeah. In three different <laughs> forms. Every and and there are a lot of those um, illustrations that that are helpful. One is the apple. You know, the apple is there's a skin, and there's the meat. What would you call it? Yeah. And then there's the core. Um, that one, I don't, that one, I think is weakest because the skin is actually made of something different than the meat. They're not exactly the same, or they would be the same. The skin, there's there's differences there that make them different. So that one, yeah, um, an, a very old one uh, that um, Saint Patrick actually used, but a very old one is the shamrock. Um, there's one, what would you call that? A leaf but there are three parts to it. So there are three separate parts that make up the one. Um, and that's okay too. Um, the weakness there is it doesn't, doesn't adequately signify the relationship between those leaves. They just are, um, And really, if if we're going to use illustrations, I think the water probably is the closest because it's all H2O. It's all the same essence. And it appears in different forms. The weakness of it is that essence cannot be steam, liquid, and ice at the same time. It must be one or the other. It cannot be all three. Uh, each molecule has to choose: Am I, am I, gas, solid, or liquid? Where God is at all times one essence; He is three persons. Um, so it, it it gets fun. Uh, it is it is important. You know, we have the tendency to say since it's conf- since it's. challenge let's just not mess with it let's let's just back up and not even not even mess with this trinity stuff the the reason we can't really allow ourselves to do that (coughs) is because it is one of our core beliefs the the idea or the the doctrine of the trinity separates us from really from all other faiths if you look at all the faiths in the in, in the world. Um, many of them are what we call polytheistic, it means they have many gods. Poly means many. Theos is God. So polytheistic, they have a lot of gods. Uh, the one you're most familiar with may be Hinduism. There's, there's a bunch of bunch of different gods. All right. Pantheism is the idea that pan means all so pantheism is that everything makes up this divine being you'll hear that off and on in, in uh, movies and things that, that all of nature uh, sometimes they'll refer to the universe the universe directed me this way that's pantheism all everything is everything put together makes up God Um And then there is kind of a non-theistic, there are non-theistic religions, Buddhism for one. Buddha is not a god, by the way. Buddha was a prophet and Buddha told people how they could find peace that would lead them to a state of nirvana. Um, Their idea is that there is no god you can within you find a sense of peace that leads to purpose and understanding. Um, Very, you know, the non-theistic would be very similar to the atheistic, the subtle difference, non-theistic. there just, there's no, there is no little G God or big G. It's just nothing there. Atheism is directly related to big G God, the God that you and I know doesn't exist. Yahweh. So all of the major religions uh, fall into some of those categories. The only category left is monotheism. Mono means one, one God. All right. The religions in the monotheism would be Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. So does that mean that Christianity, Judaism and Islam all worship the same God. Ultimately, no. Because Judaism does doesn't know anything of trinity. Remember, Judaism based on Old Testament only, the Holy Spirit has not come. It must Messiah, God the Son, has not come. There is only Yahweh, Lord, God. Islam doesn't recognize Holy Spirit or God the Son. Islam worships their understanding of God. Their understanding of God has been tainted by what a man wrote instead of what we have as God-inspired word of God over time over with many authors the, the Quran changes the reality of who God is so even among the monotheist religions um, we differ from everyone else on this one issue of the Trinity that we understand God is one essence in three persons. God the Father sent God the Son. God the Son gave his life. God the Spirit now indwells believers. It's all God who functions and in, in, I can't even say functions, who exists in three persons. Biblically, it all starts with, uh, with what the Jews call the uh, the Shema in Deuteronomy chapter six at verse four. Uh, if you have your your Bible, let's go ahead and look at that Deuteronomy six and four. This is a key verse that is foundational to Judaism and to Christianity. By the way, we can never forget that Christianity was born from Judaism. Jesus was a Jew. Every new believer in the beginning was a Jew. Um, Christianity was originally seen as, as a branch of Judaism. It was called the Way. It was seen as a sect of Judaism. And, you know, we do not throw out the Old Testament just when we become Christians. Um, We are, uh, our faith uh, was born out of centuries of Judaism. And so this this verse is not only, it does not only define the Jews, but it defines Christians as well. The Shema is uh, something that Jews would say every day. Uh, It's a part of their daily prayer time. It would be quoted, it would be taught to the children on a regular basis. And this is just part of it, but it's the major part. Uh, Deuteronomy 6 and 4. Hear, O Israel. That means listen up, people of God. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. If You, uh, you, you may have one of the versions that shows the word Lord in all caps. That's significant because when it is in all caps then in the Hebrew that is that's actually just a Y, a W, and an H. We figured out later that we could put vowels around those consonants in, in real Hebrew there are no vowels. We had to figure out a way to come up with vows so that we could read it. And you start with those letters. I think it's a Y-H-W-H. And then you put the vows in there, and it spells Yahweh. Yahweh is the same thing as Jehovah. Jehovah is Latin for this word Yahweh. Yahweh is the name. Moses says, um, God, I can't go set the people free out of Egypt. I don't even know your name. Who am I going to say sent me? And God says, tell them Yahweh sent you. Tell them I am. Yahweh translated is a verb, is a form of the the verb to be. It means I am. So when you see L-O-R-D in all caps, this is his actual name. If God wore a name tag, it would be Yahweh, all capped Lord. When you see the, the word spelled without all caps, then that means uh, master or teacher. So in this case, this is speaking specifically of him by name. So this is not just saying our master. This is saying Yahweh, the God who revealed himself to Moses. Hear, O Israel, hear, people of God. Yahweh, our God. Yahweh is one. The reason that's significant is because they lived in a, in a a time in which they would have been the only people they ever met who were monotheistic. Everybody they had ever met and would ever meet were polytheistic. Everybody they knew of believed in a bunch of gods. What separated them and made them different was our God, Yahweh, our God is one. He's not many. And so it is absolutely important that we never lose sight of our God is one. We do not worship three gods. We don't worship God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit as three gods. He is one. And we cannot lose fact, lose, lose that fact. We cannot lose the biblical emphasis that He, he is one. His essence. There is only one entity. However... uh, He does reveal himself in three persons, all the way from the beginning. Uh, Look at Genesis 1 and 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void. Darkness was over the face of the deep. And what's next? The Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So even in the very beginning, when we are very first introduced to this creator entity, we understand him in two different persons. In the beginning, God created, and when that happened, the Spirit of God was hovering, was present. And if you, if you picture the Spirit of God hovering, that's how we see him throughout Scripture. He is present. He's hovering. He's hovering. yeah his essence is there and so from the very beginning we see a reference to God the father who created and his spirit they're spoken of in two different terms so that we understand there's a there's got to be a reference here to two different persons of one entity so here is, in the beginning of the, of the Bible, beginning of, of uh, the Old Testament, there's a reference to God and his spirit. Then if we go to the beginning of the New Testament, actually, that's not true. The beginning of the Gospel of John. The beginning of the Gospel of John refers back to this very beginning creation as well. So remember in Gen 1-1, we see God created and his spirit was hovering Now, in John 1.1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All right, so this tells us that this one being called the Word is God. Well, you and I know that the Word is Jesus, Logos. uh, it, It is a reference to uh, to Jesus Christ. But how do we know that? In John 1.1, 1, 1, we, don't, we don't see that yet. How do we know? Move on down to verse 14 in this same chapter. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jump on down to verse 18. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. No one has seen God, but God who is at the Father's side has made God the Father known. Who is God who's at his side? The Word that was with him, the Word that was him. Verse 14 makes it clear that that is the one who was born. That is Jesus. So in the creation story in Gen 1-1, we see the Father and the Spirit. In John 1, we see the Father and the Son. And so it's it's clear that they're all actively involved in that. And one of the things that, uh, that I was fascinated by when I first discovered this as a teenager... Colossians 1, and I'm not going to make you bounce around a whole lot more, but look at Colossians 1 with me real quick. As a teenager not yet having studied any of this, I always thought of God the Father in heaven. Jesus, um, Jesus was born on the earth, and his whole role was to be born to die. To go back up to heaven and then the Holy Spirit came after Jesus. So I was shocked to see that God the Son was actively, directly involved in creation. He plays a much bigger role than just Jesus of Nazareth who died on the cross. God the Son was actively involved in creation. Look at Colossians 1 starting at 15. He is the image of the invisible God. Um, God is invisible to us. We can't see him. And yet for those 33 years, God was visible. When God the Son took on human form as described in Philippians 2. When God the, the God the Son takes on that human form, now the invisible God is visible. So he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Firstborn does not mean by order. It means uh, a position of authority or importance. Of all, the, of all the people who were ever born on the earth, the most important one is Jesus. All right. For by him, look, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. God the Son was actively involved in creation. He has always been God and has always been there. The reason I'm stressing that is when we looked at Jen 1 a minute ago, it only spoke about the Father and the, the Spirit. Now, Colossians makes it clear God the Son was there as well. He was actively, directly involved in creation. Nothing was created that was not created by him. Verse 18 um, or verse 17. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. So he not only creates, but he also is continuing to be involved in holding uh, all things together. He sustains. He not only is part of uh, creation, he is also part of uh, the sustaining of that creation. So he is God. Only God could do those things. Well, um, just so that we don't have to bounce around a whole lot more, uh, if you'll go one more place, we'll stop there in Matthew Matthew 3. One of the other reasons that we uh, understand the Trinity in this way um, and one of the other reasons that it is a core doctrine for us we see displayed at the time that Jesus was baptized. In Matthew 3, starting at 13, Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, For thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. In other words, John, do what you're told. (laughs) I'm doing what I was told. I'm supposed to be baptized. You do what you're told. You do the baptizing. Then he consented. Verse 16. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, which by the way supports immersion, He was in the water and came up from the water. And behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom... I'm well pleased. So we see God the Son being baptized. We hear the voice of God the Father saying, He's my Son. And we see the Holy Spirit descending. At least Jesus saw the Holy Spirit descending like a dove. So all three persons actively involved in this pivotal moment in human history. And so it is it is vitally important that we understand the Trinity Remember, um, when you get to the end of this book, the book of Matthew, Jesus sends his disciples out. We call it the Great Commission. Go ye therefore and teach all men, all them, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He defines the three persons. How does a person express? their commitment to Christ, how does a person let the world know that they are a believer in Jesus? How do you confess that you're a Christian? By being baptized in the name of the Trinity, the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So it is core to who we are. Jesus said you'll be defined by being baptized in those names. It, that's, that's the, the, the biblical, uh, kind of the background for uh, the doctrine. The problem comes in verbalizing it, like we said earlier. And through the years, folks have wrestled with that, how to say it, how to explain it. And it can lead to various heresies. One very uh, common heresy in Christian history was... Uh, was that there is God the Father and then God the Son and God the Holy Spirit are not quite as divine as God the Father. God the Father is kind of the leader, and then the other two are less divine. That's not what Scripture teaches. They are all one essence, therefore they're equal, if you want to use that word. matter of fact, I don't even like to use the old phrase, uh, the old terms of... The, that uh, there's God the Father, and then God the Son is the second person of the Trinity, and the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. I don't, I don't like giving them those numbers. Um, there is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They are one entity. So one of the heresies is to say that there's God the Father, and the other two are lesser. Um, another one that we've seen through the years is that the Father, uh, God the Father, created God the Son. Um, Which cannot be. You'd have to throw out uh, the first chapter of John and a couple of chapters in uh, uh, the epistles as well. Uh, Jesus has always been because he is God. Let me rephrase that. God the Son has always been because he is God. He was not created by God the Father. They have always been. Um, one, of the, uh, one of the references there that I didn't spend time to, to show you talks about God the Son in the first, uh, in, uh, present tense at the time of creation. He is at the time of creation. Speaks of his eternity, his eternal nature. He is God. Um, and another heresy that we have to be careful with is the idea that there is one God who shows himself in three different ways. Like he puts on a mask of the Father, and then he he changes roles, and he puts on a mask of the Son, and he changes roles and puts on a mask of the Spirit. The problem... Most of the time, folks who were saying these things weren't trying to... Uh, to diminish God, it was just hard to put it into words. And so uh, many years ago, everybody got together at Nicaea. And when I say everybody, I mean this was the first and uh, most miraculous gathering of universal Christianity. Representatives and people from Christianity from all over known Christendom at the time, all over Christendom, got together to say, how can we agree on the words we use to say this stuff? And uh, in 325, they came up with the Nicene Creed Later in 381, they got back together at Constantinople and they tweaked it and they fixed it and made it even stronger. And that's what you have here. This is a modern version of the Nicene Creed, which has defined Christian faith for uh, ever ever since the early 300s. And look at how they say this. I believe in one God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible. When we think of God the Father, we do normally think of his role as creator. Here is, I believe in one God, Father Almighty, creator of all that is. The second paragraph is the longest. I believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ. Here, uh, the word Lord is not The name Yahweh, it is the word for master. I believe in one person in charge Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, born of the Father before all ages, God from God, light from light, true God from true God. See, there's one essence. Begotten, not made, He was not created. Begotten speaks of His relationship to the Father, not how He came into being. So that first verse you ever learn, "For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son," doesn't mean that God created Jesus. It means that Jesus is, or it means that God the Son is in a familial relationship to God the Father. Um, And again, it says, through him all things were made. Well, they said that about God the Father up there, and now they say it about Jesus. Yeah, they were all there, right? And by the Holy Spirit was incarnate of the uh, Virgin Mary and became man. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried, rose again on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father and will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead. His kingdom will have no end. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life. He proceeds from the Father and the Son, again, not in terms of creation, but he proceeds from the Father and the Son in how he makes his way to us. God the Father sent God the Son. God the Father sent God the Spirit. And it is through Jesus that he makes his way to us. Jesus is the mediator. So he proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is adored and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. I believe in one holy, Catholic, and apostolic church. Now, you, you old-time Baptists, don't freak out. <laughs> little C, Catholic, makes a big difference. This is not capital C referring to the Roman Catholic Church. This is little C Referring to universal Christianity, that Christians all over the world are one family. I believe in one holy, universal, apostolic church. I confess one baptism for the forgiveness of sins, and I look forward to the resurrection of the dead and the life. Of the world to come. So, how does the how, in this this first definition, how we're going to define our faith? How do they do it in terms of the Trinity? The first paragraph, God the Father. Second paragraph, God the Son. Third paragraph, God the Holy Spirit. Last paragraph, all the other stuff. That's why it's so important. That proves the importance of the doctrine. Well, later. Um, the Catholic Church is, is established, and folks are starting to say, uh, um, "You know, I'm ready to be I'm ready to be baptized again, or, or I'm ready to uh, be confirmed." You might say, um, "Ready to express my faith." Before one could be um, welcomed into the church, they were doing baptism differently back then. Before one could be baptized and a part of the church, you had to prove what you believed. And so a a bishop would say, what do you believe about God? What do you believe about the Bible? What do you believe, like this, okay? In order to help people know how to answer the questions, they put together what is basically a catechism. They put together um, the answers to the questions. You study the answers, Then when you stand in front of the interrogator, you can answer the questions appropriately, thereby proving your faith. And I'm not saying there's a real problem with that, because for most of us, the problem is not believing, it's figuring out the right words to say. So they help them learn the right words to say. And from that practice, over time, developed this apostles creed The reason it's called the apostles creed is the legend says that it was written by the 12 apostles that's not true and most people know it's not true now Um, it came out of this catechism practice Um, but look at look at how this old creed defines christianity we believe in god the father almighty creator of heaven and earth we believe in jesus christ his only son our lord He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, crucified, died, was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven, is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints. There there you see it capitalized as it would be used in the capital C Church. However, those who adopt the Apostles' Creed who are not Catholic just use the little c to mean universal church. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, communion of the saints, forgiveness of sins, resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. So how does the Apostles' Creed define Christianity? We believe God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So the Trinity is a core doctrine that we have to become comfortable with, that we have to find ways to verbalize because it defines who we are as, believers, as Christian believers.